All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Zest for Life podcast, and on this episode, we're going to be discussing the role of thoughts and the power thinking has with our overall mental health. One thing about me is that I love to read, and I have very broad taste in what I like to read. I remember some of the best parts of summer vacation as a child was being able to sit down with a book series and just kind of devour it. Wake up in the morning, stay up all night, just reading books. And as I've gotten older, I found myself interested in more sort of self-help type books. And one of the common things within self-help books is, how do we learn to master our thoughts? And you see this across all different types of self-help books. Uh, and it's fascinating because the self-help book industry in 2020 was worth $10.5 billion. That's a lot of money. That's like uh, Bruce Wayne, Wayne Enterprise, and Gotham City level cheddar. And one of the first self-help books I read as an adult is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And a little bit about James Allen. When he was 15 years old, his father was robbed and murdered. This forced him to drop out of school and to work in a British manufacturing firm as a means to try to financially help provide for his family. Eventually he marries. At the age of 38, he begins writing books. He wrote for a total of nine years and published 19 works. As a Man Thinketh was released in 1903 and has been one of the best-selling self-help books to date. The book title gets its name from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, chapter 23, verse 7, where part of it states, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the book, only being 80 pages long, contains a lot of really interesting and beautiful observations about the power of thought. When the book was released in 1903, the price of the book was only one shilling. And when Alan was asked to describe the book, he would describe it as a book that will help you to help yourself. He further explains, It shows how in his own thought world, each man holds the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters into his life, and that by working patiently and intelligently upon his thoughts, he may remake his life and transform his circumstances. And while the 80 pages are packed with really, really powerful things to consider and think upon, the quote that has resonated most with me and that I've reflected much on is as follows. Alan writes, Man is made or unmade by himself. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. He also fashions the tools with which he might build for himself heavenly mansions of joy and strength and peace. I love it. And, and the things that strike me as so profound within this quote is the whole idea that our thoughts play a significant role in how we're developing and who we're becoming as a person. Specifically, I love the imagery when he talks about thoughts being the weapons by which we destroy ourselves or the weapons or the distraction or the things that take us farther away from where we want to be. Or our thoughts become the tools that allow us to build our heavenly mansion, or the thing that we sort of crave and desire most. So a natural question is, consider your recent thoughts. Right now, are they a weapon destroying what you're trying to create? Or rather, are you using your thoughts as a tool to build the mansion that you're seeking after? The bulk of this episode will be focused on common thinking errors that we have as humans. And this is really important because all of us have thoughts, 
but that doesn't mean all of our thoughts are either accurate or always helpful. One of the things that's really interesting about working as a therapist is you ask people a lot about their thoughts. You ask them about their thinking patterns, their habits, and trying to make a connection between how what they think influences how they feel and how they feel impacts how they behave and so forth. And one of the most common things I've learned is oftentimes people fall into the trap of thinking, hey, just because I have this thought, it automatically makes it true or it's real. When ultimately, you and I, we have thoughts all the time that just because we've had a cognition about it doesn't make this thing real. And similar to the idea that just because you have a thought doesn't make it fact is also the notion that thoughts can't be challenged. Sometimes people believe that if they have a thought, they're stuck with that thought. Rather than, oh, I have a thought, how do I examine this thought almost separate from myself and begin to determine and decipher what elements of this are helpful thinking? And are there any aspects of this that, you know what, I can challenge and potentially replace or rebuild new thoughts? And before we get any deeper, it's helpful to acknowledge a lot of what we're about to talk about comes from cognitive behavior therapy, which is a psychotherapy approach designed to help us understand the interaction between our thoughts, emotions, our behaviors, and specifically for today's purposes, we're going to be talking about the role of cognitive distortions. So those common thinking errors we're about to talk about, those really are cognitive distortions. A cognitive distortion is simply any time we find a tendency or pattern in the way we think and its influence on how we behave. And oftentimes, cognitive distortions, they're, they're typically false or aren't accurate. And the fascinating thing is, sometimes our thoughts alone can cause us distress. So one of the key features of a cognitive distortion is, does it have potential to cause us some sort of psychological stress or harm? The first cognitive distortion we're going to talk about is all-or-nothing thinking. With this problematic thinking pattern, basically, we think from one extreme or the other. So, for example, you might think of something as, like, absolutely awesome or absolutely terrible. And we neglect to see sort of the shades of gray that exist between those two extremes. One of my favorite examples to use when I'm teaching my college class, this principle, comes from Star Wars. In Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, at the pinnacle of the movie, you have Anakin on the verge of becoming Darth Vader. And you have Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's been sort of the dutiful Jedi Master. And Anakin, after receiving some feedback from Obi-Wan, he declares, If you are not with me, you are my enemy. To which Obi-Wan requires, Only the Sith deals in absolutes. And what that implies, really, is that when we engage in all-or-nothing thinking, we tend to not see the whole picture. And if we're trying to pursue happiness and wellness one of the best things we can do is introduce some psychological flexibility into our lives by acknowledging when we find ourselves having absolute over all or nothing thinking. A second cognitive distortion that's common is called emotional reasoning. And this simply occurs when we take emotional data and view that it must be true because I feel it. Now this isn't to negate the importance and role emotions play within relationships and within our own sort of journeys of happiness because we know that like being emotionally aware and developing emotional intelligence is highly correlated with all sorts of positive relationship outcomes my favorite definition of sincerity is when our hearts and our mind are unified and then we engage sincerely 
sometimes people have this arbitrary sort of tug of war in their mind that I either need to be logical or I can be emotional, but I can't be both at the same time. But when it comes to like developing a secure sense of self, we learn to use both. So similar to knowing that it's okay to challenge our thoughts, it's also okay to challenge our emotions. So as we have an emotional reaction to something, consider it, use it, examine that feedback, but also don't be afraid to challenge that maybe just because you're feeling something doesn't automatically make something true. And emotional reasoning actually leads us right into our next cognitive distortion or problematic thinking pattern, and that's going to be personalization. And the reason emotional reasoning can tie to this is that it often becomes a pathway to later personalization. So personalization is this idea that we start interpreting the world and we start ascribing blame to ourselves, that we're the reason bad things have happened. Or we personalize events or experiences and think we are more involved in it than we really are. Another way personalization is manifest is when I have people come into my office and let's say they have some sort of depression symptoms. And rather than saying, hi, my name's Greg, and I experience depression, it's, hi, I'm Greg, I am depression. And they wear depression like it's a part of their personality, or it's a characteristic, or it's a personal attribute. They've personalized their problem such, or their belief about their problem is that this is kind of who I am, versus this is something distinct and separate from who I am that I'm trying to learn to manage. Another problematic thinking pattern it occurs when people ignore important parts of a situation. What often happens is someone experiences some sort of distress and they become fixated on one very specific part of the experience or the story. So one simple way that someone can improve their psychological flexibility is by trying to look at all the data that's available to them. Not just the thing their mind might be fixating, but looking for alternative and additional information about the experience to inform the lens and the interpretation of their lived experiences. Our next pattern of problematic thinking is going to be exaggerating or minimizing. Think of this on a continuum, where on one extreme we have exaggerating, where we have a tendency to blow things out of proportion, and at the other extreme is minimizing, where we tend to shrink the importance of an event. When someone exaggerates, it oftentimes is a way to try to bring someone into their world. It's a way to seek attention, which we really know is really like I'm trying to get connection with people, even if it's through exaggerating an event. Whereas minimizing is almost the opposite, where we're trying to remove attention from ourselves or we're trying to avoid attention. And oftentimes minimizing is really functional. Right, If something traumatic has happened, we don't need to let everyone in our life know certain things. Also, though, we might minimize in important relationships. And oftentimes it's a fear of, of rejection or a fear that if this person knows this, then they may not be interested in me or it will impact our relationship negatively. Oftentimes, though, minimizing is a form of self-rejection. And by minimizing, we don't honor our experiences. We sort of neglect our own personhood and our needs. So a simple invitation from me is if you find yourself either having a tendency to exaggerate or to minimize, I would just have you consider how do you more accurately express your needs and relationships in a ways that make you feel whole? 
And the final cognitive distortion and problematic pattern of thinking we're going to discuss today is jumping to conclusions. And jumping to conclusions really has two components. The first one is mind reading. The second is fortune telling. When we jump to conclusions through mind reading, we're really making assumptions about what people are thinking. And when we jump to conclusions through mind reading, we almost always distort our thinking with negative interpretations that we ascribe, you know, greater hostility to someone's intent than is actually there. When we jump to conclusions through fortune telling, we're basically making conclusions and predictions without a lot of evidence, but believing them as truth or fact. And one of the things that drives this is a need to feel like we're in control. And if we can predict something, we feel like we have greater control on our life. So one of the ways we combat jumping to conclusions and fortune telling is by examining what are the details I know, what are the details I don't know. And by acknowledging that there's a lot we don't know, we can begin to focus on, well, what can I control? How can I either gain additional information or how do I just simply uh, influence the things within my own sphere of control? So to recap for today, we've been talking about some cognitive distortions or patterns of problematic thinking. We talked about the dangers of all or nothing thinking, emotional reasoning, exaggerating or minimizing, ignoring important parts of a situation, and jumping to conclusions through mind reading or fortune telling. And when it comes to each of these cognitive distortions, we can engage in one, some, or all of these in different capacities. And it's not uncommon for these problematic thinking patterns to be intertwined with one another. So, for this episode's application assignment, here's what I would like you to consider. I'm going to teach you how to make a thought log. And there are several different ways you can do this. One simple way is to get a piece of paper at the end of the day and examine what were the thoughts that I had most strongly during the day. And you just kind of make a bullet point of the thoughts you were having. And you're going to write them down, almost as if if someone could read the transcript in your mind, the things you say to yourself, what would they read? Next would be to identify which of these thoughts are most distressing. And one way that I often have clients do this exercise is have them read each of the thoughts while paying attention to their body and starring the thoughts that they have the biggest sort of physiological reaction to. And once you've identified your distressing thoughts, I then would invite you to say which thinking patterns are potentially in play that are either feeding, maintaining, or sustaining this way of thinking. And the final step, after you've identified which problematic thinking patterns are in play, is to re-examine your thoughts and identify what are some alternative ways to view your current situation. Or how would you reframe those thoughts in a way that doesn't fall into the pitfalls of problematic thinking errors and cognitive distortions? I'd like to close this episode by going back to where we started, by rereading the quote by James Allen from As a Man Thinketh. Allen states, Man is made or unmade by himself. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. He also fashions the tools with which he builds for himself heavenly mansions of joy, strength, and peace. My hope, friends, is that 
by examining your problematic thinking patterns. You'll be able to utilize your thoughts as tools to build the life that you want rather than have thoughts that will destroy your greatest hopes. Anyways, as always, stay zesty, friends, and we will catch you next time.